Welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, barely with you. Donovan Bennett also here. I don't know how much talking he's going to get to do today. He knows it, though. Uh, on the Sportsnet Radio Network and wherever you get your podcasts. It's a somber one today. That was a uh, that was a long drive home from my parents' house last night, Donovan. Before I even get going here, I, I want to get your take on all of this because you should speak before I go off on a rant because people are going to wonder if you're even in the studio. I feel for you. Thank you. Certainly. Um, so we had this conversation earlier. Like, what's better? To get blown out like the Cowboys or you know, lose a close one, a game that was winnable? I, I think game blown out is better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there's then are no illusions that if this was different or that was different, that you could have advanced. I don't even know if I want to say too much because I have uh, short and long-term thoughts on this Bills team. And I strongly believe that the game didn't come down to one play or one kick. But I do think, though, the better team won. Now, I, that, I don't know how that will read or resonate, but I, I feel like despite the missed kick, the Chiefs were the deserved winner and thus team moving on. I'm, so I'm watching the game, and the, in the first half, I thought that the Bills were the better football team. I thought that they could – well, they did. They controlled the play. Um, they made some good plays. They stalled a little bit in the red zone at times. But Kansas City was by far and away the better team in the second half, especially defensively. Before we get into all this stuff about the Bills, I think that Steve Spagnolo again, deserves credit for the second half adjustments. The Bills ran all over the Chiefs in the first half. And they did not do that in the second half. James Cook... It was really hard for him and Ty Johnson to find running lanes in the second half. They were not able to do that. And so that that is part and parcel for what happened in that game. Um, so credit, full credit to that defense and how well that they played. And they also lost um, Willie Gay in that game as well, which was a, a big loss for the middle of that defense. On, and we will talk about the Chiefs a little bit more, but on the Buffalo Bills and where things stand right now, when you watch that game, you see the talent of Josh Allen on display. You see how he uses his legs. You see some of the big-time throws that he made. You also see the negatives of not being able to find Stephon Diggs on an easy crossing route. Instead, you're trying for the kill shot at the end of the game where you're going to ultimately give Patrick Mahomes way too much time on the clock if you do get that ball to Khalil Shakir. And it's, there was nothing wrong with the thought because the throw, had he not been bumped a little bit by his own offensive lineman, it's probably a touchdown. But if in the in the business of keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field, the throw is to Stephon Diggs Kill some more of the clock. Get your field goal kicker closer if you need to. That's where things are at. I'm watching the game with my poor father, 
who has been watching this organization for 50 years, probably longer. And he sees Tyler Bass lining up for this kick, and he turns to me away from the TV, and it's a big-ass TV. It's hard to miss. He turns to me and says, I can't watch this. This is wide right 2.0 for this generation of the fan base. And the and and I said this on Twitter last night. It feels like this organization is never going to get there. It really does because for every step forward, there's two steps back. Yesterday was a game that you controlled the majority of the play. But your big players, like Stefan Diggs, did not show up. All the talk about how he wasn't getting the ball... And you wanted to be more involved in the offense. Well, you had your chance at an 80-yard touchdown. And you you dropped it. It's there. It's a catch that a player like that who gets paid like that needs to make that play. So he was non-existent. They used Dalton Kincaid early and then stopped using him the rest of the game. James Cook was invisible in the second half. The defense was the only thing in the second half that actually gave you a chance. They, they gave you the... The touchback after I know I don't know why the Chiefs continue to give the ball to Nicole Hardman. I really don't understand that. Can, can we just recap Nicole Hardman's night? <laughs> yeah. Did, have you seen his line? No, but I know it wasn't good. So Nicole Hardman had two touches. Yeah. One catch mm-hmm. and uh one run. Uh he had uh one positive yard on a on a on a play. Two negative yards on a play and two fumbles, one of which was a touchback. That was McCall Hardman's contribution. He's pretty good. He, he's the new Kadarius Tony. Like, something about Andy Reid. He yeah. just, in the very obvious, Isaiah Pacheco has taken us basically to the shadow of the goalpost. All we need to do is punch it in. Let me just go deep on my play sheet and find a gadget play that hasn't worked all year, but we're going we're gonna to force feed McCole Hardman or Kadarius Tony. It's almost like he has them in a keeper league. Yeah. He's trying to keep their value up to trade them in the offseason. It's not, it's Go not, ahead. it's not working. No. Um, and we, in that game, you know, the, the bills were on the short end of the one. I, it was a very clean game from a penalty perspective. Not a lot of penalties. I, the referees. And I know I made the joke last week about the referees. The referees did not decide a thing. I didn't like the PI call. Um, I can't remember on Noah Gray. And I think it was Dorian Williams who bumped Noah Gray as he was coming across. The ball was not out of Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter. Even with that, when the Bills actually got a stop on defense, they went back out there and got you another stop. They Mm -hmm. put you in a position to win that football game. And now we start to question, or at least I am, everything about this team. They are not in a good cap situation next year. They're paying Von Miller a lot of money to do nothing. They're paying Stephon Diggs a lot of money to not be an elite receiver. They're going to have to draft well. But here's where we can take this a step further. This coach has got to go. Oh, wow. We're going there. And the only reason is this, Donovan. Well, not only, but there's multiple. One, And there's, there's highlights on in the thing, and they just showed the Scott Norwood. I'm not watching. I can't watch this. Do you want me to turn it off? No, it's okay. I don't even know if there's a remote in here to turn it off. But anyway. Want me to unplug the TV? (laughs) 
sir, please unplug it and then plug it back in and tell me if it's working. Right. No, it's the, not working. It's still showing the same highlight. The original Nintendo when we blew on the cartridge <laughs> yeah. and put it back in. Can we do that with the bills? Can we blow on the <laughs> yeah. cartridge and see if it if it's going to work? Who thought of that, by the way? Like, who was the first? We all did it, and we all understood it. Yeah. But who was the first person who's like, you know what? This has got to be dusty. I'm going to treat this Mike Tyson punch-out cartridge as if it's hot food, yeah. and I'm going to blow on it. And then try again. And it worked. I, I mean, it did. That was like, that's like, um, and, and we're digressing a little bit, but it's, I think it's funny. I need some levity in my life right now. Like this, I saw this meme on Instagram and it said, could you imagine the first person that ate a banana and they ate it and they're like, nope. And then the second person that took a bite was like, you're not going to believe this because they didn't know how to peel it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, awesome. I mean, think about that. Um, anyway, besides that point. When we look at Sean McDermott's history with this organization, forget the regular season success because that doesn't matter. We we had the same conversation about Mike McCarthy. You could go 12 and 5, 11 and 6, whatever. It doesn't matter. When you don't win in the playoffs, it's all the same. Sean McDermott has lost to, I don't even remember. I think, well, it was Blake Bortles. He lost to Blake Bortles in a playoff game. Okay. The only quarterbacks in the Josh era, uh, Josh Allen era that he has beaten, and I don't put this all on the quarterback. I put this on the organization in general. Here's the quarterbacks that Josh Allen has beaten in the playoffs. Phillip Rivers on the farewell tour. Three quarters of Lamar Jackson, who was, the Bills didn't play great in that game either. Then they beat um, Mac Jones. They beat Skylar Thompson, and they beat Mason Rudolph. They've lost to Deshaun Watson, who was a good quarterback in Houston, Patrick Mahomes three times, and Joe Burrow. They have not beaten a good quarterback with Josh Allen at the helm. And you can make the... We can talk about the injuries to that defense until the Cows come home. They still gave them a chance to win at the end of the day. But something has to change. You cannot go back and run this thing back as currently constructed. And I think that starts with the head coach. Donovan, I was never on the Bill Belichick train. Oh, boy. We're going here. Didn't have this I, on the bingo card. I No, neither did I. But last night, I'm driving home, wallowing in my sorrows. And I thought, I'm done with this group. I'm done with this. I would keep Joe Brady around. That's ultimately, I mean, you're going to end up with friggin' Josh McDaniels anyway if you bring in Bill Belichick. But if you, it is an instant changer. Bill Belichick comes in with his Super Bowl rings and says, You want these? This is what you got to do to get them. Just throws them on the table, Pat Riley style. That's it. This is what's on the table. You want to win these? This is what you got to do. I was never on that train. Because I, I thought the Bills, I mean, I, I I was very hesitant to say that I thought that they were going to win. I did pick them to win. But they could have won, should have won that game yesterday. I think that they need to make a change at the head coaching position because sometimes you just get to a point with a head coach where they have taken this team as far as they can. And that's where I'm at with Sean McDermott. Right so now. are you also getting rid of general manager Brandon Bean, who no. recently got an extension? No. I'm so, not because I think that 
I think that in the moment when he made like the Von Miller deal in the moment was, it was the right deal to make. Um, Stefan Diggs trade was the right trade to make. Um, they've drafted very well. They've had guys make impacts and, and a lot of that is on the general manager as well and the scouting staff, but they've drafted well, which is why I think he can give and give the coach the pieces, but I don't know that this particular coach can get them to the next level. And I'm not taking any criticism away from Josh Allen because there's plenty to go around. Again, that's Stefan Diggs and Tony Romo pointed it out on the broadcast. That play that he threw it to Khalil Shakir in the end zone and not to Stefan Diggs, he said, if they lose this game, we're going to look back on it, look back on the tape, and that's going to be the difference maker. And it may very well have been. So he is not without blame either, but his weapon also did not show up yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Bean came out of that Carolina system, has no relationship ties, isn't close to the Belichick, Parcells tree. So bringing in Belichick, asking him to work with someone he doesn't have a relationship with, I don't know if that is one going to work or something he's going to be interested in. So we could talk about the game. We could talk about them moving forward. In terms of the game, I'm not going to lie. I think the Bills were somewhat lucky that it was coming down to a kick. One, the McCole Hardman touchback, which I mean, I think I just think it's a dumb rule. Like it, it, it's oh, well, it happened to the Chiefs, so they're going to change it for sure now. Well, but it's I just think they should change it. It's an illogical it rule. Should, it should. change. I understand yeah. why you you have the rule, and it's because when someone gets close to the end zone, you don't want them just on purpose, just throwing up the ball into the end zone, claiming it was a fumble and having someone dive on it and then you score at the end of a game, let's say if you're going to be short of the yards to gain. Like you you have to have some deterrent to not just being a bad actor and fumbling it forward and say, oh, my bad. However, I think losing possession of the ball, which doesn't happen when you fumble it you know, out of bounds, and also having the ball advanced, I think that's just... A, too harsh of a penalty, but any, in any it event. Should, I, I, I've thought about this a lot. I think it should go back to the five. Yeah, I mean, you lost it down, something. But, I mean, the Chiefs had three people around a Josh Allen fumble that could have been a scoop and score. The game could have been over then. And, I mean, I, I think the Bills controlled the game in terms of time o'clock, but I don't think they controlled the game in terms of emphasis. The... The Chiefs ran 47 plays. They were efficient. Which is not a lot. You think, man, a lot of three and outs. can't believe this. They, they probably got blown out. You're looking to run 60, 70, if you're like 80 plays. And of those 47, four were kneel downs, three at the end of the game, one at the end of the half. So, you know, they ran from the line of scrimmage 43 true football plays. Take a wild guess how many first downs the Chiefs had last night. Uh, 22? At 21. On 50%, almost 50% of the plays, they snapped the ball. They got a first down. So maybe they're just, you know, let's be really efficient. No explosive plays. It was actually the opposite. The, the Chiefs came in as a team who didn't have any explosive plays. And the Bills were the team who had an explosive offense, both run and pass. And this... Script was flipped. The Bills had six attempts over 10 yards. Yeah. No, we, we talked about one was a massive drop. 
They had seven second-half points. Seven. They had zero plays over 20 yards. The Chiefs had eight. Like, the, the Chiefs actually had some explosion in their game. And to me, ultimately, when you look at who needed to play well for the Bills, is a team that was built to beat the Chiefs. Okay, what does that mean? It means we're going to go and we are going to get Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones. We're going to get after the passer, get him off the spot. Oh, that was another guy that was invisible yesterday. Was that Oliver? Uh, they both were. They both had, had zero uh, pressures. Oh, you know what? We are going to get Vaughn Miller. Can't have enough pass rushers. Listen, he, he got hurt last year at the end of last year. You know, it would be different. If, if Vaughn was in the building, you know, he's, he's nursing his way back. Limited snaps. He's not himself, but we're, we're got him on a maintenance program. At the end of the year, he's going to play his best football. He had 15 snaps last night. He played just 24 when they played just over a month ago in, in Kansas City. In those two combined games, he had five tackles, zero sacks. Uh, sorry, no, in in his 14 total games this season, he had five tackles and, and zero sacks. He he had two tackles uh, last night. He actually looked his best uh, last night, made a, made a couple plays in the backfield. But that signing, for this matchup, essentially, was a failure. And so when you look at, to me, this roster that was built to beat this team, and you know what, they've got, an explosive number one receiver, something that's given the Chiefs trouble in the past. Well, do they? Stephon Diggs' last 100-yard game he had was in week six. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So, I, to me, I don't actually think... I think the scoreline flatters the Bills. I think it could have been worse. And I think the most important player on the field was the guy who wasn't on the field the last time they played, Isaiah Pacheco. 15 rushes, 96 yards... 6.5 yards per rush and a score. He's now gone 85-plus in four of the last five games. I think there were many plays that could have gone either way. I think the Diggs drop uh, was massive. But I, I don't think it came down to the kick, even though, I mean, yes, you'd, you'd think you'd have a better understanding of, of the wind in that building. But ultimately, uh, even if he makes the kick, you still gave him too much time on the clock. You're giving Patrick Mahomes the, over a minute knowing that he's got four downs and he just needs to get into field goal range, and Butker has been money in the cold and in the postseason, so I'm not sure it gets to overtime. Here's a big-picture thing in terms of the Bills. In 2019, they lost in the wild card round. Well, got a QB, it's cheap, it's 4.8 million. 2020, conference championship. QB's 5.9 million. We gave the Chiefs everything they can handle. We're going to build a roster just to take that next step. 2021, Josh Allen's cap it, 10.2. Lost in the divisional. 2022, Josh Allen's cap it, 16.4. Lost in the divisional. 2023, Josh Allen's cap it, 18.6. Lost in the divisional. Do you know what Josh Allen's cap it is in 2024? Uh, $50 47.1 million dollars on a roster who has key free agents in Gabriel Davis, Micah Hyde, Leonard Floyd, Tyrell Dodson, Dane Jackson, AJ Epinesa, Taylor Rapp, Daquan Jones, 
Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. Yeah, we could go on on. Linval Joseph, Shaq Lawson, Trent Shurfield. Like, I mean, do we care about QB Kyle Allen? No. Running back Damian Harris, probably not. Ty Johnson, probably Latavius Murray. Like, they have a lot of work to do if they were going to bring back this team. And I don't think even if they wanted to, they can. So this is essentially why I think it's it's the greatest conundrum in the sport. And this is actually a quarterback who I believe can win a Super Bowl. You're not even paying a good quarterback great money like the Cowboys are going to have to do with Dak Prescott, like the Miami Dolphins are going to have to do with Tua. I think you have a quarterback that can win. But I think that window was 2019 to 2023 to give you your best shot. And now it's been squandered. It's definitely been squandered. Um we spent a good chunk of time here, so we can move on. Here's what I will say. To all the Bills fans that are out there. Oh, they're not listening. If you're a Bills fan, there's, the last thing you want to do is listen to probably NFL reaction today. Yeah, probably. They're, they're listening to their favorite Sabres podcast. <laughs> but if you are out there and you are listening, I feel your pain. And like I said, I, I watched the game. I This is more of a personal thing, but my dad got me into football. I watch football my whole life with my dad, we watched Buffalo Bills football. That's what we did. And to see what my dad has had to go through, and now I'm going through it as well because I'm reliving this without any sort of success, really, like not getting to four Super Bowls. I was very young when that happened. Um, to all those people that continue, and especially of the older generation who have never seen a championship, I don't know what to tell you anymore because it really does feel like that ex who you keep going back to, things are going to change. It's going to be different this time around. And it never is. And in the words of Phil Collins in That's All, which I heard on the way home last night, always the same. It's just a shame. That's all. And that's all for the Buffalo Bills and their season. Let's talk about the other AFC game this weekend. It was really tight in the first half. And you're like, okay, maybe maybe C.J. Stroud could come up with some magic in the second half. And nope, that Baltimore defense was so good. They, they were just, they rushed for more yards on offense than they gave up on defense. Only 213 total yards, only 10 first downs for the Houston Texans. And what's even more impressive is they did all of this and the Baltimore Ravens did not record one sack. Like, to me, that is as impressive a performance defensively as you can get against an offense that had been really, really good of late. Um, I know a lot of people want to talk about the Texans being broken by the Ravens, but I look at it this way. It was a young team that was never supposed to be there. I think this is a great learning experience for this group. Was C.J. Stroud good yesterday, uh, on Saturday? No, he wasn't. But to me... It's like you went up against a buzzsaw defense who's healthy and playing at the peak of their powers right now. I have no issue with that. On the flip side, Lamar Jackson, the first player in NFL history to have 100-plus passing yards, 100-plus rushing yards, 100-plus passer rating, two passing touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns. And I didn't even think he had to... Like, he definitely did not... With his legs, he was definitely Superman. But he didn't have to be Superman with his arm. He was just efficient. He only threw six incompletions on 22 attempts. And so... um, this is why, to me, I look at this Ravens team, and I gave you that stat. The last two teams that led the league in score, uh, scoring offense in the run game and scoring defense were the 85 Bears and the 72 Dolphins. 
That's pretty good company to be in. It's amazing company. And you talk about the company CJ Stroud is in. Listen, coming into this, there were four rookie QBs who faced the number one overall scoring defense. They all lost. Like, there's a reason why rookies don't advance against really, really good teams. And to me, I don't think this was as much about C.J. Stroud. I think we probably gave him too much praise for his performance against Cleveland because Cleveland's defense on the road is not nearly what it is at home. But also, when you go back and watch that tape, that was a Bobby Sloak masterpiece. Yeah, He was scheming up guys that were wide open, and C.J. could basically walk them the football and hand it to him. I think this is the flip side. I think the criticism for C.J. Stroud in this spot is probably too high. I think most of it lands on the lap of Bobby Sloak, who had no answers for what McDonald was cooking defensively. And so, you know, similar to Dan Quinn having this awkward parade of interviews after he was exposed uh, in a playoff game, I think this is the scenario that Sloak's in, although he's by and large done an outstanding job. But to me, I think the... Offensive and defensive matchup that I was really interested in this one was Lamar Jackson versus D'Amico Ryans and that Houston Texans defense. A defense that doesn't like to blitz, like to keep their mistakes in front of them. They blitz Lamar on 69% of dropbacks, the highest in his career. And I don't mind it. We worked for a half until they figured it out. In the first half, Lamar's 5 of 9 for 42 yards and 3 sacks. Second half... They got it picked up seven of eight against the Blitz for 64 yards. No chunk plays, but more importantly, no negative plays, zero sacks. I get D'Amico Ryan saying, like, I'm just going to go with a kamikaze approach. And either we're going to get some negative plays, get you off script, get you out of your rhythm, or we're going to give up a score. But if we just sit here and let you pick us apart, we're probably going to give up a score anyways because you have more talent than we do. Hence why we are the massive underdog. And Lamar handled it well, his second career playoff win, First in the divisional round, you know, it, it, that that stadium was tense for half. Oh, and, sure was. And yeah. going into the half, it, it could have been worse. I think they were lucky to be tied going into the half. Houston missed a couple opportunities to put more points on the board. But you, you mentioned it. This is a group that had 69 sacks, uh, led the league. They led the league in, in almost any everything defensively. And it wasn't just about them getting pressure. It was about them getting off the field. This sets up a really nice, for me, matchup with Baltimore and Kansas City in the conference championship because Baltimore now, they get one extra day of rest, which is not huge, but I mean... Every day Not nothing, no question. But it's almost as if the Houston Texans, and I I laugh because I don't mean to be disrespectful in saying this, it's almost as if the Houston Texans were scout team for what they're going to see in Kansas City. You're going to get a coordinator that's going to blitz you on all the time. You're going to blitz you on early downs just so they don't have to blitz you in obvious situations. Well, they, they just had four quarters against blitz. You're going to have a quarterback that's going to, you know, be able to throw from multiple platforms, extend plays. Well, you're going to get that in, in Patrick Mahomes. And so they got the, the beta version of what they're going to see. Here's my question for you, though. Mm. The pressure at kickoff is on what sideline? Uh, I still think it's on the Ravens. They're the home team. It's on. It's more so on Lamar Jackson, I think, than any. Like, I don't think it's on the defense. I think it's on Lamar Jackson again because he's going to go up against Steve Spagnuolo, who's, you know, you talk about the matchup between he and 
D'Amico Ryans, you're going to get the same thing. And not the same thing in terms of, you know, how they play because the, the one thing is, and you mentioned the adjustment, Todd Munkin made the adjustment in the second half. Steve Spagnuolo made the adjustment yesterday. That's going to be the key. And that's why I think it's it, the pressure is on Lamar Jackson. Having said that, the way that I saw that Ravens team play, and they're healthy. Their defense is healthy. That's the biggest key. Like I, I not, and I don't mean to bring this back to the Bills, but I think if the Bills have a as healthy a defense as the Ravens do, I don't think we're having the same conversation today. I think it's a different conversation. Having said that, the Ravens are healthy, and they've got all their guys. and And maybe Marlon Humphrey comes back for the game this coming week. I I don't th- I think that the three point spread that it's at right now or three and a half whatever it is I think it's very kind to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that the Ravens run roughshod on them because the Ravens have been able to do things that other teams haven't. That is be efficient on offense and be excellent on defense. And there's not a lot of teams that can say that. I just think they'll be able to shut them down. How often do you have a scenario where the defending champ in a playoff game with the chance to go back to the Super Bowl, extend the, the dynasty, add to the legacy, and they're not the team with pressure. They're the underdog in this spot. It's a very interesting dynamic. I think you're right. I agree with you. I think the pressure is on the Ravens and specifically Lamar Jackson because if Patrick Mahomes loses this game, this is a footnote in his yeah. career. It's a bump in the road in the story arc. What, what 20, people- 2023, 24, our receivers sucked. We did what we could. Then we corrected that in the offseason and it was back to regularly scheduled program. This is a legacy maker, potentially, for Lamar Jackson to put himself in the conversation with the Patrick Mahomes. This is also um, win- Patrick Mahomes wins, win or lose, because like you said, people will look at it and say, look what he did with that receiving group. And then if they lose, it'd be like, well, look what he did with that receiving group. I I, I don't think he loses in this situation. Right. Um. So I so I think there's there's that as well. Just a quick one on Houston. I think what what we learned is that they do need to improve the run game. I would not be shocked if they go out and sign a running back in free agency or draft one, um, because they have a lot of money to spend as well in free agency. I the the future is insanely bright for the Houston Texans right now. And there's a pretty good running back in that division that. Probably won't be going back to his team, and that would be Derrick Henry. Huh. Derrick Henry. Maybe you give Tony Pollard a, a call in free agency, a little thunder and lightning. Boy, would that make C.J. Stroud's job a lot easier. Well, they, they have added former Cowboys on that offense, whether it's Dalton Schultz or Norm Brown. So, yeah, you could see Pollard on that offense as well. It's going to be very interesting. Okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the Lions. We haven't given them a lot of love over the last couple of weeks, but boy, oh boy, that was quite the performance yesterday as they advance to the NFC championship game. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. And of course, we'll talk about the San Francisco 49ers and their um, eking of a win against the Green Bay Packers. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. It's the fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we recap the divisional weekend, um, and if you missed the conversation about the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, all the AFC, uh, be sure to check out the podcast. I was very um, level-headed, I think, except for maybe the Sean McDermott thing. But I think that that's a valid take at this point. I'm sure it is not an opinion that you share alone. I have Bills fans who have been saying that for the balance of this season, so I'm sure what happened Sunday night is just confirmation to that end. Having said that, I do not think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, Here's a good news story uh, from another hard, let's call it blue-collar, hard-working city, the Motor City. The Detroit Lions go out. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They get to the NFC Championship game. What a performance. Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, it, it just, it, it's, it continues to be an impressive football team. The big interception at the end to cap it all off. And they're, they're off to, they're off to, and one more win away from the Super Bowl. Now, Donovan, on this show, we made predictions. And September 5th of 2023. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. We shall look back in our crystal ball at what was said on this program. I'm scared. I think this team takes a massive step forward. Not only do they win their division comfortably, but they get to an NFC championship game a lot quicker than people thought. They revamped their defense. They added a weapon on offense. They've got one of the best young receivers in the game. And they've got a revitalized quarterback after a great offensive season last year. The Washington football commanders? I am talking about the Detroit football oh. Lions. Oh. See, that's, I knew you were going to do that. Wow. The Detroit Lions get to the NFC championship game. September 5th, 2023. Did you hear your reaction? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't have to play that part. I couldn't edit that out. I'm not that good. Actually, Lance did it. And Lance was probably like, uh, I'm going to be a little sadistic here. We're going to keep that in there. <laughs> Listen, I, I just, I do that in fun. I believed in this team. You know, I believe in this team. We talked about them a lot this year. And... Right now, they are uh, slightly less than a touchdown um, dog on the road against the Niners. But I, I look at I look at this team, and you know we saw the gambler out again, Dan Gambler, fourth down and goal from the one, and it's it's not Jameer Gibbs, it's not Amon Ross St. Brown, it's not David Montgomery. Uh, it's not Sam Laporta. It's not Josh Reynolds. It's Craig Reynolds. And he runs it in. And I'm like, it, when Craig Reynolds is scoring on that type of play, you know that the football gods are on your side. Um, I thought Jared Goff made some excellent throws, but maybe none better than the TD pass to Amon Ross St. Brown, corner of the end zone. Just a, a great catch and throw. But the one that stood out for me, and it was... It was 
the guy that everybody criticized them for drafting because, well, why are you taking him that high? You've got a player just like him on your roster. Okay, they didn't like him, whatever, but the Lions had a bigger need. They needed to go draft a linebacker at pick 12 and not a running back. And it was the Jameer Gibbs drive. He accounts for 57 yards on a 75-yard touchdown drive. He caps it off with the TD, has a big catch on the on uh, on the drive to put Detroit up by 14 in the fourth quarter. And to me, when you look at the usage difference between Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson and how one was up and down and the other one was like, okay, we're going to give him a few weeks and then we're going to really unleash him. And that's what the Detroit Lions have done. And look how it's paid dividends. Those two guys are going to be compared to each other for eternity because they were drafted four picks apart. There were some people that said Jameer Gibbs should have been drafted higher. Um, granted, Bijan Robinson didn't have a quarterback the entire season and was on not as good of a team. But these are the types of moves that they have made. It is, you know, they've been bold. They bring in Jared Goff because Matt Stafford didn't want to be there. I love this story. I love how they have taken on the identity of the the city, the coach, and they have talent. Like, all grit is their hashtag on Twitter and X, whatever. And I'm going to call it Twitter for the rest of my life. But to me, that is what is so awesome about this story. That stadium was wild yesterday. I loved every second of it. And I'm not a Detroit Lions fan. I know a bunch of Detroit Lions fans. I am now, I don't, I'm I'm never going to be a Lions fan, but I am firmly on the bandwagon of, I love this story and I would love to see the Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl. I really thought there was a chance we were going to get Bill's Lions in the Super Bowl. Just I, I thought there was a chance to. Two amazing fan bases, hardworking cities in the Northeast, great sports towns, but certainly love their football and dying for a championship and one of them was going to get it and they would have just taken over Vegas in a way that was really cool. Bills don't advance, but Lions do. And yeah, you could tell what it meant in the stadium to season ticket holders. This this run is going to be what people paint murals about, what build statues, build statues, write books and do documentaries about. That's that shows you what little success they've had in Detroit, but how much this means. And there are just such cool photos and videos of like someone like Calvin Johnson, who ended poorly with that organization back in the stadium, dapping up the players as they came out to get ready to warm up, hyping them up. It, it was good to see the other eras of lions football, being able to partake in it. And, as much as they've struggled, it hasn't been a scenario where they've had bad ownership or lack of fan support. They just haven't really been able to consistently have a strong coach or, or leader. They had this Jim Schwartz era where they were somewhat competitive. But it's fun. Having said that, I saw this game in and out because it was happening at the same time as I was hosting my child's birthday party. Oh, happy so, birthday. The yeah. older one? Or the, oh, younger oh, it would one. be the older one. Younger one. Oh, the younger one? Yeah. Yeah. Young Rowan is two. Um, so happy birthday to young Rowan. Um, way to go, Rowan. Way to make it. Really. It, your, your parents did a good job. Well, I was going to say, you, you feel this as a father of a young child. I was joking about this with my neighbor who has kids exactly the same age as ours. 
in the early years, the party should not be for the kid. It's for the parent. You don't. You don't. You have. Survived. You don't even know that it's your birthday. You don't even really have friends yet. If I'm inviting other kids, <laughs> loser, just, you don't have friends yet. Well, it's just like <laughs> me, like basically forcing other parents to go buy a gift they don't want a gift and then feeding them full of sugar and sending them back home and <laughs> inviting a huge mess to my house. Ultimately, the party should be for the parents year one, year two, maybe even year three. Like, you made it. Mom and dad or mom and mom, dad and dad, whatever the scenario oh, is. Oh, I was, I was told. Granddad. Like, you guys, live it up. Celebrate yourselves. I was told that for the first birthday, that is all for... The mom, but the, there's a very the one who the one who birthed and stayed home with the child. But it is for them. Like, like I did nothing. But there's a very keeping up with the Joneses Instagram, Etsy, TikTok scenario where that first birthday you need uh, ventriloquist and you need oh, yeah. uh, to be catered and you need their favorite cartoon character to show up and blow balloons and blow bubbles like and so there's. A whole thing about what are you doing for the first birthday? Yeah, blah, second, blah, blah, blah. Was the second one easier because the first was a pain in the ass? Well, I know we didn't do any of that stuff for the first birthday. I can't remember. What, I don't think. See, I don't my know we, my wife does not have any sort of, sort of like social media footprint. Like she does not post pictures. She does not like. It's been a while. Even for my birthday, she doesn't post a picture. How dare her? Um, she doesn't do any of that stuff. So that that was just for her and what she believed in. Um, I don't know how we uh, anyway. Um, yeah, no, it was all for her, apparently. Um, I took us down this path because I said this game was on while I was having this party. My point was it. I looked up as games close, could go either way, whatnot. It was probably not going to hit the line. Hopefully you picked under or put a low number in the uh, precision fantasy pools. If you're partaking in one of those where you can't just get the team right, you have to guess what the score is going to be and hope that you're within 10 points. Then I look up, pinata is broken, cake is cut. I look up, all of a sudden, the Lions are running away with this game. I was like, wait, what happened? Then And just when you thought it was over. Just when you thought it was over, people are leaving. Where'd you put my coats? Hey, thank, get home safe, whatever. I look up, Baker Mayfield has the ball in his hands and can win it. And then he throws a needless, senseless, irrational pick. One of those picks were, and I said this to my brother, like, what was he looking at? Was he going to throw the ball literally through the abdomen <laughs> of the linebacker to his receiver? Like, what could you have seen other than, like, wanting it too badly? But the the point of all that is if you are in Chatham, Windsor, Detroit, Michigan proper this morning, none of that matters. No. Does not matter how. Does not matter who. You're there. You are four quarters away from the Super Bowl. And getting to the Super Bowl will be your Super Bowl. So if you are in Detroit, man, enjoy this. Eat this up because this has been a, a wild and great run. And I would argue, you, you had the prediction, so kudos to you. I would argue they're early. They're ahead of schedule. Yeah, that's what I said. With I said the like a lot drafted, quicker. They than should people be thought. here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and a Jared Goff extension is probably incoming now, which he deserves it. Jared Goff. What's a, what's a fair uh, number? Forty-eight. He's probably getting on like a three-year deal. That's probably that's. I think that's pretty close. He's earned it. This team has turned it around way quicker than I think anybody thought they could. And you know what? 
and I, I, I talk a lot about this guy. How do you not love Dan Campbell? Honestly. He's the every man's football guy. He loves his players like their family. He shows that. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. To me, that's the best story in the playoffs right now. I, I love what they've done. I, I love their team. And I know it's been a long time coming. But like you said, if you're a Lions fan, the future's pretty bright here. So Dan Campbell was a joke. Yeah. He was an interim coach in Miami. People called him Man Campbell. He just seemed like a meathead with a headset on. Goes away. He's a, you know, essentially a tight ends coach for a while. All of a sudden, he pops out of nowhere, gets the Lions job, and it was going to be the laughingstock Lions. Has a bizarre press conference. He's talking about you know, biting kneecaps, and you know, then we're going to bite you again. And people are like, what? What's going on? But he didn't fit the coach archetype that we thought didn't win the press conference, which we've talked about on this show. Let's go back and do the math on who won the press conference and who lost it and how that worked out. The the Dolphins and the Lions were two franchises that we made fun of based off of the press conference of their head coaches, and they were in the playoffs this year, and they looked pretty good moving forward. I owe Dan Campbell an apology because I thought, like, this is going to get old. No player is going to want the coach that is running around, you know, doing the up-downs with the team and screaming and saying these weird things like we're going to bite your ankles, bite your kneecaps. But when you actually go back and listen to that press conference and then put the tape on and watch the film of this team, it was somewhat prophetic. Like, no matter time, score, opponent, home, road, they play the same way. They're going to get knocked down get up and go again. They're going to knock you down, but when you get up, they're going to go and they are relentless. And I think that essentially is what he meant. So Dan Campbell, it is the cool in vogue thing to be like, I'm a Dan Campbell guy now. And how could you not be? The team is infectious and you're lovable. I owe you an apology, my friend. Uh, I, I judged the book based off of its cover. That season where they went three thirteen and one, the first year of Dan Campbell, they were in every game, basically. Like they were like they were taking really good teams to overtime. They were within field goals. And he was gambling and doing things that people were like, oh boy, this is, you know, their record probably could have been a little bit different. Then they go nine and eight last year. They had a great second half. They were arguably the best team in football and didn't make the playoffs. And then this year they go 12 and five. They get the number three seed. They get two home playoff games. To me, I look at the story and this is what I gather. And I don't know about Dan Campbell's football acumen. He's, I don't know if he's as smart as Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Bill Belichick or Mike Tom, whatever. Here's what we know about Dan Campbell. He's a leader. And maybe there's something to be said about what Dan Campbell did was he is, everything runs through him. But he also realizes that he needs smart people around him to help him do the job. And he defers to those people when he needs to. You know, the the Ben Johnsons, um, the Aaron Glens. Like, those guys are in conversation to get head coaching jobs now because Dan Campbell has allowed them that reign. To me, that's what makes a, a good football coach, that's what makes a good football organization is the what you allow your people to do and allow them to grow. That's what leaders do. They don't want... Dan Campbell doesn't... He's not the guy that takes wants to take all the credit. 
He's happy to give it elsewhere. And he will take the crap when it comes to him, which he's done. I've just been super impressed with him. Like he is the ultimate guy that you would just love to. And I think this is why the lions as a team are so relatable is because their head coach feels like the guy that you just want to have a beer with. What about the, remember the the conversation, Ryan Fitzpatrick saying that, you know, Jared Goff was Matt Ryan without an MVP or something like that. Poor man's Matt Ryan. Yeah. Poor man's Matt Ryan. And Jared Goff just sat with, Ryan Fitzpatrick and he kind of laughed it off and whatever. And like they've, they've done that throughout the course of Dan Campbell's tenure. Nothing seems to rattle them. Even when Jared Goff wasn't playing well, he, he bounced back and then they played well. And even when Jameer Gibbs wasn't getting touches, nobody was making noise about it and they worked him in. It's kind of been the perfect marriage with everyone. And that's why to me, I'm, I'm rooting for the Detroit Lions. Like, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't, openly cheer for other teams than the Bills, but I love this story. I want to see the Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl. The story out of Detroit, an assistant on his staff was going for a job and he said, hey man, should I cut my hair? I got like dreads and how that Calvin look? Shepard. Yeah, and uh, Dan Campbell's like, don't you dare. You got to be yourself and that's how you're going to be your best and that's how we want you. And so stories like that, you can't help but cheer for him and the team. So we're cheering for you, Detroit. This may have just become the Detroit Lions show for the rest of Evidently, the playoffs. Evidently, right? Yeah. Just by osmosis. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Packers and the Niners. Uh, I will do that tomorrow. You're off tomorrow. You are on assignment. Yeah. Actually on assignment. Packers, the Lions ended your season two years in a row. Nothing to talk about, all right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Van Checkdown. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Donovan across the table. Uh, the show will be back tomorrow. Plenty to get to. We'll talk to you then.